0: what's up teal nation welcome again to the shauna years podcast My name is Alex Souza, and we got part two of our men's golf discussion, this time with head coach Jim Guerin, who brought on those two PGM walk-ons, Morgan Dineen and Zach Taylor, that we talked to last week. Coach Guerin got here in 2017, and as we discussed with Morgan and Zach, brought those two on to fill out his roster as necessary, and they have been leaping up the standings ever since Coach Garen came to us after winning the national championship at Oklahoma as an assistant coach and has been rebuilding our program quickly here in the three years he's been in Conway. It was fun talking to Jim for a while, going deep on some stuff about Morgan and Zach, but also talking about the future of the men's golf program, the building blocks he has in place, and the excitement he has going forward. Before we get there, we're going to talk about sharing liking, subscribing, doing all of that on Spotify, iTunes, share it around on Twitter. We're going to post always from @coastalcsn Coastal CSN, as well as the sport accounts and the main account. Also hit us on Facebook, the Coastal Carolina, Shauna Clears. Another golf episode. If you're missing the links a little bit, just imagine you got about a six footer for birdie to close out the round. You'll be feeling good. Enjoy the conversation with head coach, Jim Garrett. Coach, when when you interviewed for the position at, at Coastal, um, was the PGM major, the professional golf management major, something you were familiar with? And if so, what was kind of the
1: reputation of, of Coastal's PGM major? I was familiar with the PGM major. I never worked at an institution that had one. Um, but growing up doing golf my whole life, I mean, you, you know what PGM is. And the people that want to go in the golf business, that's a great route for them. Uh, when we went through the interview process here, there was a big group. Um, the search committee wasn't necessarily large, but you interview with a lot of people and, at at the lunch, um, they had Will Mann there. And so I was prepared for that. Um, especially knowing kind of the position the roster was in that PGM might be an interesting route to explore. So I'm glad, I'm glad they brought Mr. Mann around. Um, super nice guy. Um, I wasn't aware of the size of the program, uh, but after talking with him a little bit at lunch, I knew kind of the impact that Coastal had from having alums all over the country, working at some of the best clubs. So I knew they had a good thing going here.
0: I remember early on, you wanted to build that relationship with the with the PGM group that kind of maybe ha- hadn't been there in the years uh, prior. What What are the benefits of connecting with the PGM major and connecting across campus other than
1: filling out the roster spots? Yeah, I mean, the roster spots, obviously, they were a necessity, but I think the more and more further advanced collegiate sports get, sometimes we get too separate from what the base mission of university is, and that's to educate young men and women. Um, I think there's a lot of mis- misconceptions, misperceptions, however you want to word it, about what athletics actually does. So the stronger our relationship is on campus, the better. So you're talking about one of the biggest majors on campus in the actual business school. That's a no brainer for me to get that that relationship going. Um, We have a very strong team academically, and we've done more than just PGM. And we've reached out with some theater department stuff. Like we're a year round sport. Okay, we play both semesters. We're going if school's in, we're playing. So we need to have those relationships because we want the community to understand what we're doing and how we're trying to help everybody.
0: Beyond the, like you said, beyond the roster spot stuff and all that, having that connection, especially to a business school, that, that's a kind of a recruiting piece for you as well. Maybe not, hey, we're going to put you in the PGM major, but just the, how important the Wall College of Business to the school is, that, that's a piece for you. If you have a good relationship, then
1: that, that's something that you have in your pocket at all times. Oh no doubt. I mean, we we have a a team rule here. Like, in order to be an academic all American in men's golf, you have to be a junior or senior. You have to be a starter, and your total cum GPA has to be over a three two. Well, the Wall School business is a good school, and so we want to lead all of our students that can handle that course load in that direction. So we need to have that relationship. I mean, we travel like like we just said, both semesters. We're traveling all year, so. Our guys got to be dialed in over there. We want those professors and those deans to know how much we're gone, what our workload's like. You know, our days are on the road is 5 a.m. till dark. Um, so we have to put ourselves out there if we're going to achieve our academic goals as well. Uh, I mean, just aside from the school, when you look at how big that PGM program is and how many of their guys and girls are working at golf courses in the Myrtle Beach area and all across the country, I mean, that relationship has opened up so many doors for us, not, not only here, but across the country. I mean, we went to when we got evacuated for whatever the hurricane was this year and we had to go to Wisconsin early. Uh, we went to Aaron Hills, one of the best courses in the world. And there was a coastal PGM guy working there. When we took our trip to Pebble Beach this year, there were a couple of coastal PGM people working there. I mean, that's that's cool. <laughs> Those guys and girls do a good job over there. Absolutely, and and speaking of
0: a a couple of those those PGM folks, um, when you get on campus and and you need to fill some roster spots and get some get some guys in for a tournament, how did the process work with with bringing Morgan Denine on and and also your your now assistant coach Andrew
1: Roy? How did how they get down to the team? Well, that that was a necessity. So when I got in here in July of seventeen, uh, we only had five guys. That's it. Well, that's a starting lineup. Um, so imagine entering a basketball season with only five, five guys on the team. Mm -hmm. So that's where we were knowing if we had an injury, if we had sickness, if we had anything, we wouldn't be able to compete. So we had to get somebody. I I mean, recruiting's two, three, four years out. And you're talking about a month and a half until the season opens. What are you going to do? So, I mean, I think it was my first full week here. The first weekend, I went to the PGA junior uh, in St. Louis to recruit. And it's, I started working the phones. Uh, Mr. Man got me in touch with Gil and Matt in the PGM program. and We started talking about the possibility of some players and they sent me Morian and Andrew's name. I reached out. We talked. Obviously, they were working during the summer, but I had them send me some resume stuff. But there, it wasn't going to be a walk-on tryout. I mean, we needed them. So basically, I had to make sure that they understood what we were trying to do and that they could figure out the team side of things. And within two and a half weeks. I mean, we added them. Um, we needed to, but I really liked what those guys had to say. Um, plus at the same time, as a coach taking over a new program, you're not inheriting your own people. Well, that was able to give us two of our own guys on our first team and two out of seven that technically we recruited. So it did more than just feel necessity. It, it got us some of our voices in here. Um, it got us a presence with the people that were on the team that, hey, we're here to do business and we don't care who you are. Um, we're going to try to get things done. Yeah. And, and so you do this whole process, you know, over the
0: summer, they're not here. They're working at their their internships. And so you're doing this all over the phone, never seen them play. What kind of expectations did you have for those two? And especially, you know, they, they may have said the right things and, you know, you you see that they were going to be a good, good piece of your program, but with that, what were your expectations for them
1: on the course? Uh, we expect them to play. I mean, I think with the success we've had the first couple of years here, people forget where it was before we got here. Um, right, right. and in 2016, I want to say this program finished as a 174th in the country. Um, in 2017, they got up to like 107, but they lost three of those five guys. So we're rolling in here with five people on the team, only two of which had literally any college playing experience. And you're coming off a 174 and a 107, losing more than half of your starting lineup. So the expectation expectations were there. Um, even before practice even started, even before we knew what we had, um, there was no doubt in my mind they were going to play. It was how fast can we get them up to speed at the collegiate level? Um, because golf is a little different than all other sports. I mean, not every course is the same. It's not like a football field or a basketball court. It's different. Um, so the expectations were there for them to compete. It was how, more of a how fast can we get them ready to go. I talked to
0: Morgan and Zach the other day uh for part one of this and and morgan mentioned he had been playing flashy golf um and i guess part of getting him up to the collegiate speed was was something that he said that you taught him was you know how to manage a course play smart uh, and play to the averages what was your approach with him specifically bringing him into kind of the style of play to to improve his game
1: morgan had the skills that you needed to be successful at this level um what Morgan didn't have was literally any formal training for a high-level competitive golf course setup, which means physically he could do everything he needed to do on a championship-style course. But when you turn into the college game and the high-level amateur game, even more so in the PGA Tour because of what you're trying to accomplish when you host an event, it's, it's how they tuck pins on the side of greens, how they grow the rough up. Now we're playing literally in the hardest time of the year weather-wise so he had to under, he had to learn more of how to punch up the ball uphill, why not to short side yourself, how you're going to, you're just giving up shots. If you just hit it at every single pin, you're going to get smoked at the end of the day at this level. Luckily for him, a couple of the courses we played early were really, I want to say easier because the there was no wind. So, it's a little different than Zach's situation, Zach's first event. With Morgan, we went into VCU's event. The land, the wind didn't blow. The greens are fairly soft. So he, he was able to take those baby steps, had some good rounds, had a nice finish. Then we go to North Carolina, has a couple good rounds again because there was no wind. So he had a nice transition into it. Um, the main thing with him was we just can't hit it every single pin. Because if you do that eventually you're gonna miss shot dispersions get off, and you will not make par and doubles come into play and it was a it was a battle with him for a while, but I think now that he's playing for a living, he definitely understands where we're coming from and it was easy to see how he progressed throughout his two years once he started taking all of that in.
0: You mentioned right, right there, you said now that he's playing for a living. Is that kind of the approach you take with everyone, not just Morgan or, or anyone else, is to kind of treat it like they're playing for a living? Um, like maybe there's money on the line um, and maybe that changes their game a little
1: bit? Yeah, I mean, I've done this for 12 years now with four different institutions. And the thing that any golf coach hates hearing the most is when one of their kids turns pro it was like, man, I just, I wish I would have thought this way in school. Well, yeah, that's what we're right. trying to get you to do. <laughs> um, but for us, it was more important because from a talent standpoint, we weren't there. Um, that first year the schedule was, was softer. So we were, you know, we could compete without being super sharp, but if you're not at the highest level talent wise, you have to think better. You have to know how to get your golf ball in position Um, and, and that really started kicking in year two with Morgan in year two for this program when we beat the schedule up. Um, because yeah, I mean, you have these guys for four years in Morgan's case too, Zach's case too, but you want to do everything you can to prepare them to play for a living. If they have the talent that they need to try it, but you also got to try to win championships while you have them. So it's a, it's kind of twofold. I mean, they're helping you and you're helping them in the long run and the quicker they get it, the more successful the team is and the more prepared they are when they turn pro. And Morgan took those baby steps early on
0: and, and kept building a, a solid 2018 in the spring. Could you foresee what he did at the at the Sunbelt tournament in 2018? He, he seemed to make a
1: make another leap there. He, N- Morgan had the ability to shoot super low scores. He would do it. He had done it throughout the year in individual rounds. Um, he had shown it at home. The problem Morgan had through that first year was getting way, way, way ahead of himself. Um, if he had a hot start to a tournament in round one, he would be thinking about winning the golf tournament. Well, the golf tournament three rounds. It doesn't matter where you stand through eight holes. <laughs> you, you still got 46 left. Um, when we got down to Destin, it was kind of the, not only for Morgan, but for us, it was the perfect storm. We'd, we'd started playing pretty well in the spring. Um, the golf course was not hard, but the wind was going to blow. Now, with our conference and how we coach our guys and kind of how we prepare them, that's what you want. We want a hard golf course, or we want wind. And the golf course at Destin wasn't hard, but man, the wind was going to blow, and it was set up beautifully for us. I, mean, I think we had three guys in the top seven or something like that. But the big thing for Morgan was having the super low round in the middle. Now he wasn't too far ahead of himself. It was just, could could he control his emotions in that final round? But, yeah, we saw that coming all year long. It was just, could he keep it together for three full rounds? Now, what he did down there was crazy. I mean, it was three rounds of just awesome golf. But, yeah, right. you you could see that coming. I mean, the guy's good. <laughs> and he, he mentioned when we
0: talked the other day that um, it was – it was even bigger for him that, you know, you guys went into the match play and ended up winning the team championship. And, um, you know, that he, he did that with his guys. And and I know that's got to be hard for, you know, 18 to 22 year olds to play such an individual game like golf and still be kind of all rowing in the same direction and, and doing it for the team as well. Um, did that make you feel good? Not only the championship, but all the guys kind of buying in, you know, just in your first year. Of, of that team atmosphere and that camaraderie and family atmosphere you're trying to build here?
1: Yeah. I mean, th- these guys have never had any direction before. Um, they didn't understand how cool it was to play team golf. You know, it is an individual game. And if you're playing an individual tournament in the summer or the winter, you have a bad first round. Well, okay, we'll go get them next week. Well, you can't do that at our level. Every round counts. Um, and for the team to be successful, even if you're struggling, you have to still give that effort. And these guys bought in. I mean, they, the returners, they had never been through anything like we put them through. I mean, I, I told them day one, to, I don't care about any individual results at all. Like, I don't ever look at the player leaderboard at golf stat events. I, I don't care. I mean, I want them to win. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I wish my guys would finish one through five. But at the end of the day, all I care about is the team result. And when you start having success as a team, you understand why we coach the way we do. Um, I mean, we have a rule here, a team rule that, we're we're not allowed to lose to teams in conference. So when they get to conference championship, they love that. I mean, we've got some kind of crazy record in, in our couple of years here. I think it's 33-5 and five or 34-5 and five against the Sun Belt. And the only team that's beat us in stroke play is Georgia Southern. Um, and they're all five of those losses. Now, we've probably beat them four or five times as well. But our guys embrace that. You know, we've got a, a unique sport where – you have your whole schedule's invitational based, and we play the hardest schedule in the Sun Belt by far. But we we make sure they know the Sun Belt matters. So when we see one of those teams, so at the regular season or at the conference championship, they want to beat them. Um, and the cool thing about Georgia Southern and the fact they are the only team that's really got us down here um, is that we have a great relationship with those guys, and our guys are buddies with them, and they hang out. I know Morgan and Stephen Fisk hang out and talk all the time now. Uh, we're great friends with Carter and his staff. I mean. It's a cool bunch of guys, so it's nice to have that little rivalry going with them because uh-huh. um, they want to beat us and we want to beat them, and it's, it's a fun little deal for the Sun Belt. Um, but no, that, when, when you give them something to think about other than just go, hey, let's go play well, um, that's, that's cool for a young person that's not used to a team game when, hey, these guys are in our conference. We want to beat them. So they embrace that. They like it. Um, they, they feed off of it. That kind of attitude led to, to such a big jump in
0: that, that first year uh, that your program was or that your staff and, and your style kind of came on campus. What what kind of leap did you guys make in the rankings that year? And um, obviously winning a trophy and winning a championship uh, right off the bat is
1: is a huge kind of uh, a stamp that you put on the program right away. Yeah, the cool thing about that year was to see the progression throughout the year. And then you're starting to peak around conference time which is what we want to do I mean if you look at our schedules we beat ourselves up every fall we go play the best teams in the country all over the country in their home turf and we're going to get our butts kicked that's trying to prepare ourselves for postseason and throughout the spring we're playing more locally and we get better and better and start competing and doing good things but the progression that year I think we ended ended the year at 86 Um, so up 20 spots nationally to win the trophy, I mean, that's what it's all about. Winning conferences the number one goal every single year. So that meant a lot. That meant a lot to the school, the program, the PGM staff that helped us. Um, and then when we went to regionals, we got an unfortunate draw going to Orlando. And that sounds crazy because we're a Southeastern team. You would think we won't stay home. Well, that's not always the case because we went down to Orlando as a 10 seed with a whole bunch of Southern schools on an easy golf course. Right. Talent wise, okay, yep. <laughs> ta- talent wise, even though we played well, I think we we're double digits under par. I mean, Florida won the regional and beat us by like thirty. <laughs> so, we needed to go somewhere hard or somewhere for weather. We needed we needed somewhere where it just wasn't a straight throw your horses out there and the most talented team's going to win. We had to be able to kind of out play them, out strategy them. Um, but we were close. Uh, I think we missed it by eight or so to go to nationals, but we were there, we had a chance. So to see that progression throughout the year was, was fantastic because I, I remember me and Jeremy were sitting here our first weekend. We took them on a retreat and did some qualifying down at Deverdue and you know, we looked at each other and we're like, ah, it's going to be a long year. <laughs> and I mean, so to see them, to see them progress and to buy in and to understand the culture was really, really a cool deal. So after some postseason,
0: a taste of the postseason, uh, winning that championship, uh, the next year you, you bring on another PGM major, uh, Zach Taylor. Was, was that another kind of necessity thing, need to fill out the roster? Um, was there further discussion with,
1: with Morgan about quality players in the PGM major? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had lost Thad to graduation, so we knew we'd lost a starter. Morgan had been mentioning some stuff about Zach throughout the year. So we were following his we were following his progress. You know, he was winning all of the PGM stuff locally. And he would play well when they would go play other programs. And uh, Jeremy shot out there to watch him play a little bit and said, This is this guy's got some talent. So we started talking to Gil and Matt again. Um and just trying to think about what we need to do for the next year, because you don't ever want to regress. You want to keep getting better and better every year. Okay, well, we just won conference, we only lost one starter but you don't want to stay there. You need to get better. So we knew we were adding Wes Artak as a grad transfer from Texas Tech. So we were adding a former all big 12 guy. Um, So we knew we'd get better there and we knew we need another piece to kind of push the rest of these guys. And so I just kept up with Zach throughout the summer. He was working, but he would play in some stuff here and there. And I, I was sitting down at the South Carolina state junior right around Beaufort, somewhere in that area. And I saw where Zach had played. I don't know. I called him the day before his tournament. He was going to play in the New Jersey open qualifier. And I said, Hey man, I like what I hear about you. I like what I've seen about you. Um, I'm, I'm interested in bringing you on. Let me know how this New Jersey open deal goes. And it's a pro event. And I kept up with it the next day and he shot 68. He's the only guy that broke 70 and he won. And I called him on blast. it's good enough for me. Um, <laughs> let's uh, yeah, let's get your, yeah. Let's get let's get in touch with our academic people. Make sure you're eligible and um, yeah. Let's go. So when we saw him the first day of practice, you knew the guy was different. Um, we talk about talent. Well, this guy's got it. I mean that, I mean it, it was just different. Obviously, there were some things that he needed to clean up in his game, but it was it was a different sound when that guy hits it than anybody. Anybody we've got around here, most people in the country.
0: So what were some of the, the adjustments that, that you had to make? Uh, he, he mentioned a lot of the same things uh, that, that Morgan did when we had them on. Um, what, and Morgan had mentioned that Zach can, can really bomb it. Um, what were some of the things that uh, you helped him with in terms of, you know, getting the ball in
1: the hole and getting in the right spots? I think the best thing for Zach was seeing Morgan had some success the year before and wishing he was on the team. Um, yeah, true. So, so he bought in day one but he's a pretty sharp guy with his golf IQ. So he was willing to be coached and willing to do everything to get better. Uh, It wasn't a lot with him. Honestly, the first thing we did, we took the hybrid out of play, put a two iron in his bag. Um, He hits it so far and so hard that the hybrid is pretty much useless. He needed a two iron. He could, you know, hit some, some of these tighter par fours and shorter holes kind of, that's a weapon for him. Uh, The other thing was, we worked on some chipping stuff, some technique, how to get the ball, a little more spin around the greens. And then we, we brought his wedges with some – we worked on him on flighting his wedges to bring the spin down a little bit. Um, and he bought in from the management stuff day one. So it was pretty simple. By the time we opened up in Minnesota, he was fully bought in. His chipping had gotten so good within the month. He had the two iron in the bag. He knew how to flight it. And we went up to the hardest golf courses any of these guys had ever seen. And he was our low guy week one. Um, So he hit the ground running. I mean, from day one, he was he was something else. You mentioned he he had
0: obviously from day one great or great scoring finished your lowest guy. But what and you mentioned a little bit of how bought in he was and how coachable he he was. What type of teammate in person uh, is Zach? I think you spoke
1: to it a little bit with, you know, how coachable he was. No, he's the best guy ever. I mean, he's <laughs> – the reason I think our relationship is so strong is because he has the same mentality I've got in terms of the team. He he wants to win every week. He wants to beat everybody on the team. And you could see that that first year with him him and Wes when they were really rolling in the spring and we were playing really well. Like, it was those two are finishing one-two every week and they didn't want to lose to each other. And he doesn't ever want anybody on the team to beat him. But he's like me. He literally only cares about the team result. And I think that's what drives him. And that's why he performs well every week, because in order for us to be competitive the national level, he has to play well. I mean, that's a lot of pressure, um, but he loves it. He thrives off of it and he drives these guys. And, you know, you feel a little bit kind of bummed out for him this year because we have no juniors. So we got two seniors and Four freshmen three sophomores so he's having to play that captain role play the best player role keep these guys motivated do the right things and act the right way so uh, he's he's just an all world kind of guy
0: and and does that speak to the type of player you're looking for at coastal regardless if they come through the PGM you you heavily recruit them you know they show up hat, at hackler one day is that
1: the type of guy you want in, in your program oh uh, yeah I mean I think you what's been really surprising or not not really surprising, but eye-opening, is you take a look at Morgan and Wes. I mean, Morgan and Zach. Um, Zach's the best player ever at Coastal Carolina from a scoring standpoint. Morgan's in the top 10 as well. And then you take a look at Wes, who grad transferred in here at a Texas Tech where he was an all-Big 12 guy and had his best college year ever here with us. So you're looking at three guys, and two of them just wanted a chance to play. and the other one was he needed a second chance. So you're looking at very motivated individuals who maybe haven't gotten the chances they deserved. And so those guys are motivated. Um, those guys have a point to prove, and that's what we want. I mean, we want guys that, I mean, I want them to feel like they've been disrespected. I want them to feel like they don't get everything. I want them to feel like people have looked past them. And, and those are the kind of guys that perform. I mean, those guys come to work every day. And you mentioned Hackler and the unique thing about the Hackler, we really only practice out there one day a week as a team. We try to bounce around everywhere. But the cool thing about the Hackler is it's right here where they all live. So outside of our 20 hours, we're allowed to be with them. You know, they need to be out there putting some work in. And all three of those guys always were. Everybody else, you know, they may go take a nap or they may – go hang out with our buddies because we can't make them do anything at that time with our time limits, but those guys were getting after it, all three of them. Um, and there's a reason they've beat everybody here during that time.
0: Yeah. They both mentioned Morgan and and Zach both mentioned that, you know, you and your assistant, whoever it was at the time would leave and um, they would stay and, and kind of keep drilling. And it, it wasn't just a, a social hour for them. Um, they, they continued to get after it. And, you know, with, with Zach's, hot start and his work ethic and his mentality. Uh, what were some of the goals that that you and Zach had set
1: um, for him while he was at CCU? Well, we wanted him to be one of the highest ranked amateurs in the world. Um, we wanted him to be an all American. Uh, we want him to go play on the PGA tour. So everything we've done for him, you know, his past been a little different than a lot of people. I've had some really good golf teams in my career. I've had some really good players. Um, I'd say from a college playing standpoint, in my time I've had them. only Gavin Green at New Mexico was better than this guy at this level. Um, and I've had eight or nine All-Americans, and that, that speaks a lot to Zach's talent level. Um, you know, I've got a lot of guys out there. Victor Perez, who's, I think, 43 in the world now. Gavin, who's a very established European tour player. Michael Gellerman on the PGA Tour, and I've got four guys on the Corn Ferry Tour. And I'm, I can sit here and tell you that Zay's got a chance to be better than all of them. So we've had a, it's a little different with his goals and his talks. I mean, one of the first things we did in October of 2018 when our fall season ended so we got him in with TaylorMade. He became a full support guy with TaylorMade and Titleist. They saw his potential. Um, we saw him really improve and kind of that high level player. He got his highest 63 in the world in the spring of 19. Um, so we were seeing that. There were going to be some opportunities for him when college was done. We went through the summer. Unfortunately, he got hurt last summer, but he still tried to play in three of the best amateur events in the world and held his own. I mean, if if you've got a janked up hand, it's pretty hard to play golf, but he went and played and fought. We got rolling this fall. He had some good, good stuff in the fall. Then we got him hooked up with Scott Hamilton over in Georgia, who's one of the best teachers in the world, period. He only works with PGA Tour players and LPGA Tour women, but he'll take on occasional college guys if he sees potential for PGA Tour quality stuff there. So they will get Zach in with that guy to have top-level, world-class instruction. was huge. Um, then over the winter, he finished eighth in the Patriot All-American out in Phoenix. Um, so we're setting up for the spring where, hey, all of our goals are the All-American, one of the best players in the world. Let's get ourselves ready so that when you do turn pro, People are jumping at the bits to get you. Maybe we can get some starts, whatever it needs to be. Um, and the spring was rolling, finished fourth of the Gator. Unfortunately, we got rained down in Puerto Rico, and he had his worst round of the year in the first round. And when that happens, and you play an 18-hole tournament, but it counts the same as three rounds. So whatever you finish, whatever your result is, that's a result. And he had a bad round and finished like 70th because we've only got the first round, and that – that knocked him down about sixty-five spots in the world and nationally, so he won't be an all-American because they go straight off the computers. But regardless, he's one of the best players in the country, and then he comes back and obviously bounces back at the Hackler, winning the one of the best college events in the country. So he's in a great spot. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with pro golf this year because of the virus or eligibility for seniors? We don't know. We're keeping those doors open, but the guy's ready. I mean, he's he's really, really good. I mean, it's, it's, he's the best or one of the best I've ever had. And from a future standpoint, it's the sky's the limit for that guy. And he, he also mentioned
0: how special that, that hackler championship was um, because it was a bounce back tournament for him. It was at home. It was against such a great field. Um, was that also special for you? Cause he'd
1: been so close in so many events. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. When you look at the guys plate think only 19 events here and he's been in the top six and more than half of them. <laughs> That's it's incredible. Um but he'd been close several times last year. He gotten I don't say he's really close at the gator because what Ricky Castillo did from Florida down there that last couple of rounds is crazy, but still it was a very nice finish. But to see him finish one off at home, and we had a ton of people out there, man. There were a lot of people watching a lot of members I don't think his dad had seen him play golf in six years. His dad was here. His girlfriend was out there. Grandma, uncle, I mean, his whole family. Um, We had some unfortunate stuff with Gavin getting hurt. So we were trying to play one of the best fields in the country with only four people, which is hard to do. Um, So there's even extra pressure on him to, you know, give us something to have a successful championship around is him winning. And to see him hold that together was such a big lead. That was the hardest part of the whole deal was he smoked everybody the first two rounds. So he was so far ahead. I mean, you can talk to him till you're blue in the face about you got to keep going. You got to keep going. People are going to come get you. There's a ton of all Americans here, a ton of top 100 players here. Keep going, keep going, keep going. But you still know that you have a four shot lead and that literally all you got to do is not screw up. Um, well, that's the worst kind of pressure. Um, So to see him battle through that and struggle that first nine and come back on the final nine and just wear it out was really a cool deal. I mean, it was emotional. He cried. I cried. The whole family cried. Everybody cried. Um, The bummer was that dude was rolling and we had four or five more events left plus conference, a couple of events where we were going to be the favorite to win them. He was going to be the favorite everywhere he goes. I mean, who knows? That guy could have won the rest of them. I mean, that's how good he is. And he finally got the monkey off his back when So won. So it just, it's really unfortunate it had to end. But if it was going to end, and if that was truly his last one here, there's no better way to go out than winning at home. I mean, that, the, the, only, the only better way would have been for him to be holding the trophy in Scottsdale, but that's not going to happen this year because that, obviously that's not going to take place. So this, if this is truly the end, there's no better way.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great memory, especially for you guys that were there. I saw the pictures that came back from the course. It, it looked special. And one thing I thought was really cool when I talked to Zach the other day was he mentioned he would he would gladly give up that win for six more events. So, you know, even thinking into the NCAA tournament, six more events with his teammates and his coaches. Um, obviously, that speaks to the culture you're trying to build about being a, a team game. He would give up his win to be able to keep playing
1: with everybody. Oh, no doubt, man. So like I said earlier, he's the best guy ever. He would give that trophy back. I mean, you're talking about not a very emotional guy that took this season ending harder than anyone. And he's coming off a trophy. Well, that, that's what we want here. We want guys that understand the team matters more. You know, you only get four years to play college golf. Um, and in his case, in Morgan's case, only two. And, and you look at all these guys on the PGA Tour and the success they're having, you go ask 80% of them, they would they would gladly go back for another year with their teammates. I mean, that's they love it, um, and that those are the kind of guys we want here. And hopefully, these young guys, because we got a super talented group of freshmen. I mean, they're they're good, um, but hopefully, these young guys understand that the sophomores have been hit kind of hard. You know, they had to see their season end in eighteen nineteen with the team really getting a raw deal. And now they've had to see a season end because of this. And the freshmen have seen seen it season end because of this. So to have a guy like Zach who stresses what you're trying to preach that the team matters, that's huge. I mean, because they're all going to feed off of that. And, you know, we want guys. And the best part about Morgan and Wes and Zach, all three of them, is that they're going to want to see the team be successful going forward. Morgan and Wes are always talking to us. They're always around. They, they want to know how we're doing, you know, and that's the kind of guy Zach will be. And that's, that's what you want everybody to be. You know, if we're if we're winning championships here ongoing, we want these guys to know that they're the building blocks that started that.
0: And in, in two of those building blocks that we've been talking about today, Morgan and Zach, are they also kind of a testament to the, to the
1: quality of the PGM major here? I don't know a lot about the PGM program and other places, but obviously what we're doing here is something right. Um, We're a competitive PGM program. When they go play, our guys are very mature. Our guys know how to handle themselves and maturity is a lot of what makes you successful at this level because you're traveling, you're on the road four or five days, your days are 14 to 16 hours long, but you still got to get your schoolwork done. You still got to, manage your personal life and you still have to be competitive at a highly high level. Um, so obviously what we're doing there is working, um, Zach and Morgan and their maturity levels, unbelievable. They can handle the pressures that come along with playing a high level collegiate sport, um, and being asked to produce results. So whether it's Mr. Mr. Man, it's Gil, Matt, Page, all of them, the way that they are, making these kids grow up is unreal. To see these guys compared to a normal recruited high school student entering college golf that they've known they're going to play college golf is just depending on where they're going to go to school. I mean, it's night and day. You're, you're taking an 18 year old kid versus a grown man. That's basically been in the real world for a couple of years already. And so that's what I think our PGM has helped do is they've, they're preparing these guys for life. And Morgan and Zach both are ready to go do life and whatever they got to do, and I think that's the mission of any institution, academically, athletically, is we still got to prepare them to for life because a very small percentage of these kids will play at the highest level for a living. And I don't know what goes on in other PGM programs, but our people do a great job of getting these guys ready because I mean they're they're grown men, and uh, that's the best thing I can say about any major, any sport, anything is is you're she had truly prepared for life, and these guys are. And on your
0: end, uh, you mentioned a, a talented group uh, that you have kind of left in the cupboard, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, what's on deck for for men's golf next year, and,
1: and kind of what are you looking to build in the years to come? Well, this was definitely our most talented team. Um, but it was also the first go-around for about seven of them. Um, Brady traveled a little bit as a freshman. Connor had gone to a couple Tyler, I think had only played once. So, you know, essentially those guys were, this was their first full year of being asked to produce. Cause we did have such an old team. And then the freshmen, you know, we got some suit We got a lot of talent there. Uh, highlighted by probably Seth, who was, I don't know if we'll do conference awards or not, but Seth had a very good chance to win Sun Belt freshman of the year. Gavin's an all world kind of talent. Um, Garrett Cooper's improved a lot. We're going to, we're going to redshirt Holden, but you're talking about a high level guy. Um, And then to see these sophomores progress from year one, I mean, Tyler Gray won the state amateur over the summer. Uh, Tyler Gray had a top 10 in Florida. Brady had a top 10 at the Hackler. Seth had a top 10 out in California where he had the lead going into the final round against one of the best fields in the country out on the West Coast. So we've got three guys that have had top 10s on a high level schedule. Um, So that's obviously a lot of promise. We're going to add a couple new guys next year. We can't talk about it NCAA wise, but we've got a couple new ones that are going to come in and join a mix there. Um, but I think I think what's happening at the end of last year and this year will help, help them. Um, the cool thing is now these guys have traveled. They've seen a lot of these tournaments we're going to play. The only thing we're going to change up next fall, instead of Albuquerque, we're going to go to Denver. Um, so you're talking about three courses they've seen. They've got experience traveling. And the funny thing about if you just look at this current roster, F9 that we have this year, Six of those nine guys had never flown before until they got to this program. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you're trying to fly them all over the country to play the best teams in the country and those other teams in the country's neighborhood. So they've had to learn how to travel. They've had to, they've had to learn how to play in different grasses, different, different climates, different conditions. And now that they're a full year into it and they've seen a lot of these tournaments that are coming up next year's schedule, I think they'll be ready um, Brady's really starting to develop into a good player. Tyler, you're seeing, you're seeing pieces of high level success, whether it be the State Am or the Gator. He's, he's doing it at times. He has to get way more consistent. Seth is very good. You know, Gavin's talented as Zach. So we've got some pieces there and I think the future is bright. There's a lot of things this program needs. If we're going to help these guys fully develop, you know, from a, institution standpoint, there's some stuff we got to do that I think we're close to doing. Um, But in order to get to the highest level, you know, we do need some things on that end. But I like where we're headed. I mean, to see how far we've moved up in the two and a half years, to see us go beat the teams we beat. I mean, this year alone, we beat a team from every single Power Five league. Okay, and that means we beat them in their parts of the country. Um, We beat some highly ranked teams since I've been here. Um, we beat the sec champion last year during the year, you know, so we're doing the little things that you see signs of success. And, you know, the, the closest thing I can say at coastal to what we try to do scheduling standpoint is what baseball goes through pre-conference. We try to do that all year long. Well, we're lucky. We don't play. We're not forced to play a conference schedule until the very end. So we can do that. Um, it's more of just, making sure these guys understand the expectation is to be at Arizona, in Arizona at the end of every year, and how do we get there? From a talent standpoint, we've got a chance. Um, they just got to continue to develop. I think the future's bright here. We just need a couple more things in place to really help get our guys to that next level.
0: Yeah, I think the, the scheduling and, and like you mentioned, the, the adversity they've gone through has, has prepared them as best you can um, in terms of off the course stuff. And it's just a matter of putting it all together and getting some more pieces uh, on the institutional side. And uh, we can't wait to, to see what you and, and your program does here and what these guys do. Uh, and coach, thank you so much for your time going over Zach and, and Morgan's time here, but but also vision for this program. I, I appreciate it.
1: All right,
0: man. Thanks for having me. There you have it. Thanks for the conversation, Coach Garen. Those two have been great representatives, not only the men's golf team in Coastal Carolina Athletics, but the PGM major in the Wall College of Business. Coming up next on Thursday, we'll be talking to Head Coach Jada Williams of the women's basketball team about this past season, the 1920 season, the best season in women's basketball history. Lots of fun stuff, lots of love, lots of joy coming out of that program. We look forward to that. Check us out on Twitter, check us out on Spotify, check us out on iTunes. We'll talk to you next time, Teal Nation.